Welcome to the CrocCast, a podcast for peace studies conversations convened by the University of Notre Dame's Croc Institute for International Peace Studies. In today's episode, we're sitting down with Mary-Kate Battle, a 2010 Notre Dame graduate and peace studies alum who works as a business development specialist with Catholic Relief Services. Mary-Kate talks with Anne Hayner, Associate Director for Alumni Relations at the Croc Institute, about her career, international development in diverse contexts, and how peace studies plays a role in her day-to-day work. Welcome to the Croc Podcast. My name is Anne Hayner. I'm the Associate Director for Alumni Relations at the Croc Institute, and I'm here to welcome today Mary-Kate Battle, who is here as a 2010 graduate of political science, government, peace studies, and Spanish. And she is currently a business development specialist with Catholic Relief Services based in Freetown, Sierra Leone. So welcome, Mary-Kate. Thank you, Anne, for having me. Happy to have you here. So first of all, what exciting event brings you back to campus? Oh, yeah. So I've been very honored. They recently started a new initiative with the Young Alumni Board called the Domer Dozen, where they're honoring alumni under the age of 32 who have accomplished achievements in faith, service, learning, and work. Mm -hmm. So I was selected among quite a few nominees to be one of the 12 Domer Dozen. So I'm here this weekend to accept the award and speak at some events and also get to walk on the field at the Game versus New Mexico on Saturday, which I'm quite excited about. Exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. wonderful. We're so thrilled to have a Peace Studies alum represented in the first cohort of this award. So very appropriate. Glad your work could be recognized. And it's it's great because it gives us the opportunity to learn more about your work because current students are always asking about is what is the work that alumni are doing and how did they get into it, envisioning what they might do with their Peace Studies degrees. So Tell us a little bit, first of all, about your current work, and then we'll we'll look backwards at how you got to where you are. But what is your work at Catholic Relief Services? What does a business development specialist do? Is there sort of a typical day, or what's the focus of your work? Absolutely. So the first thing is that business development specialist is a very technical term that most people don't understand. So I've gotten quite accustomed to explaining my job title, even to colleagues from other NGOs in Sierra Leone. <laughs> so I, I'm quite used to explaining the title. At CRS, we implement projects in over a, 100 countries um, in aid and development and relief efforts. So we have some people who specialize on the kind of logistics side, some people who specialize on, on implementing program side, so, and then some people who focus on what they call business development. So that's trying to connect the donors and the financial partners with the needs of the community mm-hmm. and the feedback from our current projects. So my job is to listen to our programming teams, hear about the dynamic and changing community needs, listen to our many community partners about what their needs are, and then go talk to the financial partners and donors looking at that mm-hmm. country, see what sectors they're interested in, and try to match up where we have crossover and common interest, and then prepare proposals and strategies to compare competitively apply for those funds to make sure that we can get them for CRS to do quality work for the communities that we're advocating for. Wow. It sounds like you have practiced that (laughs) description. It sounds like a lot of negotiation and translation and convincing people and connecting sort of matchmaking. Yeah, we we make some, some jokes in our office sometimes 
that inside a CRS meeting, I have to speak CRS, which mm. is code for like Catholic Relief Services acronyms. And then if I go to a UN meeting, I have to speak UN. Mm-hmm. And then if I go to a, a U.S. government aid meeting, I have to speak U.S. government speak. Mm-hmm. And if I, I talk to local partners, I might need a translator for some local dialect. But essentially, I, I hear the same thing and try to connect people as more of a translator mm. um, than anything. And that's sort of my main job most Help days. Help people understand each other. That's yes. great. That's, yes. that's a wonderful description. Yeah. Great. Very vivid. I understand you've worked for CRS in a number of different areas of uh, Africa. I think uh, Sierra Leone, in addition to that, Ethiopia, Uganda, and Egypt, which are very different parts of the continent. I'm sure (laughs) different culturally and experientially. I'm wondering what's been your experience working in all those diverse contexts? Yeah, so it was quite different. So CRS, I started with the International Development Fellow Program Mm. when I joined them in 2015 after I graduated with my master's from Hopkins. So when you join that program, they usually intentionally send you somewhere that's completely new to you. So my background was in Latin America, so they sent me to East Africa. (laughs) (laughs) The idea is to get you kind of trained to be able to take on any role in CRS of, of a management level from that fellowship. So they purposely put you just beyond your comfort zone with enough skills to make sure you can be comfortable um, in that way. So it's been it's been very interesting because I've had the, the privilege to work in Uganda. And well, in Uganda, I got to go to Jordan for a month to work on the mm. Syrian refugee crisis. Mm. And then I went to Egypt for two and a half years. And in the middle, I, I got to go to Bangladesh to support the, the Rohingya refugee crisis for about mm. three months. And then I did three months in Ethiopia and then went to Sierra Leone. And I think what stuck out to me is not only are, is each country different in its, its culture and focus and, and work culture and city culture and what you're free to do or not free to do or kind of the openness of different cultures. But within each country, there's large differences as well. So if you're in one city or region of a country, it's very different than another mm. region of the country. For example, a lot of people don't know that Uganda has eight kingdoms mm. with distinct local leadership mm. and cultures. So that's always something you have to take into account. So it just makes you very conscious that you're always being culturally sensitive to the level of culture that you're aware of. So you need to be kind of very self-conscious of those aspects. Yeah. I know for many of our international students coming to the U.S., they sometimes don't realize how many cultural differences there are within the U.S. Yeah. You know, South Bend, Indiana is quite different than New York or California or... Absolutely. Alabama or somewhere, (laughs) you know, different places. So that's really, that's fascinating that you're also observing that in all these different parts of the world. It's so true. Every every country is a bit bigger than you think. So there's always different levels to be aware of and different levels to explore. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Layers of culture. That's really fascinating. I know you mentioned that you got started with the International Development Fellows Program, which congratulations on that, because that in itself is an achievement to be accepted (laughs) in that program. And that's been a great program for a number of our students who've gotten started in that and had fabulous experiences with a variety of places at CRS. Mm -hmm. So what was it that inspired you to go that route? I mean, how did you sort of latch on to CRS? Was it just one of many options or was that a particular goal? Oh, it was a particular goal. Yeah. So I actually, hilariously, when I was a senior at Notre Dame, we had a thesis meeting for the political science department Mm -hmm. and my friend Cassidy Blair, now Gerber, and I sat outside O'Shaughnessy Hall And she said, I think I want to do Teach for America, get my master's in economics, and then work in economics. And I said, I think I want to go to volunteer at Farm of the Child, get my master's in international development, and work for CRS. And 
Cassidy got her master's from Harvard and works at the Federal Reserve in New York. And I got my master's from Hopkins, volunteered at Farm of the Child, and now work for CRS. So we did exactly what we said we would do outside O'Shaughnessy on that day. So I think I knew about Catholic Relief Services just being raised Catholic in the Mid-Atlantic in Virginia. Mm. So they're very known there. Mm -hmm. And then when I came to Notre Dame, there were so many CRS Notre Dame Mm. connections. So even if I was in peace studies or theology or political science classes, there would be references to Mm. CRS's work. And it really spoke to me about kind of taking those international relations and peace studies concepts and themes and applying them really at the human level. So that really Mm. spoke to me about what I wanted to use my degree for. I knew what the fellows program needed service and a master's degree. And so I did service and a master's degree and then I joined them. So that's great. (laughs) That's wonderful. And that's just speaks to the value of just articulating what it is that you want to do. Like both you and your friend found out that if you just can put into words what you really want to do, that'll help you launch. I'm not sure how many people have done that so clearly (laughs) and exactly. So congratulations to both of you on those achievements. Yeah, I mean, we also had quite a lot of support. I mean, since Mm -hmm. we graduated, professors from Notre Dame have Mm. stayed in contact with us and said like, oh, like, for her, like, you did Teach for America for me. It's like, how's Farm of the Child going? Mm. It's great. When I was applying to graduate school, I I wrote an email from, like, a bad internet connection in in La Ceiba, Honduras, and I still remember Professor McAdams wrote back and said, absolutely, like, I'll write the letter and I'll get it in on time. So Mm. they were, I would say that we did the steps, but we were very supported along the way Mm. as well. That's wonderful. That's really great. So, I'm also interested in one of the questions that many of our students ask is, okay, we have these really interesting people out there doing these fabulous jobs five, 10, 15 years out, but how did they actually get started? Like they were in a class here and what did they do right (laughs) after they graduated? Just like graduate and bing, they were in their professions. What were the meandering paths? Did they do internships? So you mentioned a few things that you did on the way, including choosing to do another graduate degree after Notre Dame. So what was your your path? How did you move forward from the time that you were a student? What did you do first? And how did you, were there sort of decision points along the way? I know that you articulated your long-term goal, but were there meandering parts to that path of getting there? Oh, absolutely. So when I was graduating, I knew I wanted to do service for at least a year. So Mm. that was kind of the first, I guess, turn on the path I I knew I wanted to take. So I applied to quite a few different service programs. Mm. And then when speaking with the recruiters and and directors there, it really came very clear to me that Farm of the Child was was a really perfect fit for me. Mm. I was going to live in an intentional community. I was going to be in a a Spanish-speaking country. Mm. I was going to be in Central America. It really matched up with with everything I was looking for. So of the service programs I was looking at, it was a natural fit and, and they accepted me. So I went there. That was kind of the first immediate thing I did when I graduated is I I went to volunteer for two and a half years Mm -hmm. in Central America. During my last six months there, I knew I wanted to go to graduate school after that and study kind of development economics. But I knew I'd have to get my—I didn't want to wait a year and a half, and I was coming Mm. back in December. Mm. So I had to kind of get a few things in order before I got back. So I I took some intentional time those last few months there to take maybe an extra hour or two at the Internet Cafe nearby— 
to check in on what applications needed, mm. making contacts with professors to make sure, okay, I'm going to write you in January. Will that be okay? And they're like, yeah, I'll start drafting something now. So mm. people are very supportive of that. And because of that, I came back and was able to apply to all my graduate schools before the kind of January, I think it was around January deadline. And then while I was there, I was really missing Central America and adjusting back to life in DC area. So I first took a volunteer position at Catholic Charities in D.C. at their mm. Immigration Legal Services Office because I was missing Central America, and they needed people who spoke Central American dialects of Spanish. <gasps> so we were an ideal match because I, I was, great. like, craving Latin America, and they oh. were craving someone who understood everyone. Oh, that's great. So I did that job, and then they met me and said, well, you have a few more skills than just translation. <laughs> so they, they hired me in the community outreach department, to do kind of matching up of community volunteer groups with other things. And that gave me a job and a focus for eight months. So I knew I was going to graduate school, but it allowed me to have kind of a purpose in that interim time and get some really good project management experience mm. and, and connections. And it's also, it's just a, a really wonderful organization, Catholic Charities of the mm. Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. So then I, I got into Johns Hopkins for the Development Economics Program. I was studying there. And then while there, I, I rode over to George Lopez, who was at the time the a vice president at U Institute of Peace. Mm. And I, I was like, hey, do you guys need any research assistance? And he was like, apply here. If it reaches me, I'll let you know. Right. <laughs> so I applied. I went through all their HR processes, and I was very lucky, and it worked out. And I, I actually ended up in Professor Lopez's department. Mm. So I got to be a research assistant there for a year while I finished my degree. Mm. And then to apply for the International Development Fellow Program with CRS, you have to apply almost nine months before you start. So while I was working at U.S. Institute of Peace and doing my second year of graduate school, I was going through that application mm -hmm. process. And so because I knew that process in advance and applied in advance, I was able to start just two months after I graduated instead of waiting a full year, which a lot of people have to wait. So yeah, I think I, I kind of always knew the, the next step after my current step. So if there was any kind of pre-steps I had to take, I, I made sure those were taken care of. And I was very fortunate to have people supporting me and helping me take each step along the way. That's but great. Then I got into my, my cool job at CRS. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, yeah it's, it strikes me. There. So there are two things that I heard that are really, I think, helpful potentially for people in that position sort of as they're moving along. And one is that element of thinking ahead about what am I going to need to do to apply and what are the deadlines mm -hmm. and, and not just a few months ahead, but a year and more ahead exactly. of like, so that's really helpful. We try to encourage that, but it's, it's great to have the example of how that worked in your case that you could then slide into things yeah. because you really had strategically thought ahead of time about scheduling. And the other was the idea that you mentioned like at Catholic Charities, how you started out just volunteering yeah. because you were interested. And then they also recognized, oh, you have some skills. Maybe we could hire you to do this. Mm -hmm. And that's something I think sometimes people forget that that's a real option, that you can, you can oh. just volunteer for something you're interested in do it because you're interested and that often that can turn into something. There wasn't like a job posted that you were applying for, yeah. but it can develop out of your own skills because they, that's, so that's a wonderful reminder. Yeah, hundred percent. No, I was just a volunteer and then they, because I was on the volunteer email list, they, they said there's a new job on the third floor and I was like, oh, that, I could do that job. And that's they were great. like, well, you could apply for that job. That's and great. then 
Yeah, and then they were like, what's your reference? I was like, just go to the first floor. Like, you can talk to everyone. Like, <laughs> exactly. that's a, that's that can be my reference. <laughs> right, exactly. They know who I am. Yeah, so then when, but it was quite funny, though, when I switched from volunteer to staff there, it was, people didn't notice because they're like, oh, Mary-Kate just goes to the third floor now. It was, <laughs> I, I was still Mary-Kate. Yeah, but there's a paycheck. So. I was still there, so. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, no, I, anyone who can kind of get their foot in the door with a volunteer, is, it's always, always a great option to take. That's yeah. a great, that's a really great reminder. And then in terms of the big picture, people often ask us at the Peace Institute, what is peace studies? You're at the Kroc Institute, but but what actually is peace studies? And there's probably as many definitions as, <laughs> as there are faculty, staff, and students around here. But how would you describe the field of peace studies to someone if somebody asked, so what is this peace studies that you studied? How would you describe what that is? Yeah, so when people ask me about peace studies, I usually start off by asking them if they know about international relations. And they say, yes, I know about international relations. And I ask them if they know about conflict management and conflict resolution. And they say, yes, I know that as well. And I was like, have you heard of theology, sociology, anthropology? They're like, yes, I've heard of those as well. I was like, so what if you took a holistic approach when you saw a conflict and tried to take into account all of those perspectives and not just address one step of the conflict of we need to clear this road, but we need to engage both communities so they will keep the road clear themselves like for the foreseeable future and really look at the full spectrum of the issue and the many layers causing it, not just from kind of a mechanical perspective, but from a really like full human perspective. And to me, peace studies is looking at that full human perspective and really looking at conflict transformation of seeing that challenge or that conflict turned into an opportunity for the communities. Mm. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's a pretty succinct description. Would you have any particular advice to current students uh, who are thinking about what they should be studying while they're at Notre Dame and the skills that they're going to need afterwards? Like, if they're thinking about peace studies, how might that relate to what they might do in the future? How, how would it impact? Is it just something, well, I can do a little bit of all these other things anyway, or is there something that's specific that you think people might get from studying peace studies? Yeah, well, I think one great aspect of the Peace Studies program here that I definitely took full advantage of is that it's an interdisciplinary department. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, in terms of kind of spots reserved in classes, I could get into theology, political science, you know, I could get into sociology courses, I could get into so many departments of courses because they had a peace studies mm -hmm. seat or two reserved. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the biggest benefits is that in peace studies, I never felt like I was kind of restricted, like, oh, I have to take a 200 level course of this course or, mm -hmm. or this section, but I could take how did I think something in the theology or something on ethics could apply? Sure, I'll take that course and we can count it. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the big benefits is that you can really honor those many perspectives involved in, in peace building and peace studies and take those many courses. So I would say if someone's looking at their transcript and saying, you know, I have two courses in every department, what am I doing? I'd, I'd tell them they're doing great, like, try another department. Like, <laughs> like, I think the more perspectives you get, I, the more you're prepared to work in diverse multicultural mm. situations. The second thing is a lot of times students have good instincts about which courses would be helpful to them because they know what they're really interested in. Mm. So if maybe someone else who is in your department is saying like, well, I took this, you don't really have to follow their, their path or their course load. You have to meet requirements for your graduation, but you can follow your own path. So if, if a different seminar matches with you, but the same kind of 200-level course matches, then, then take the seminar you want along with the 200-level course. There's no need to 
to follow someone else's course plan. It's mm. it's not kind of one of the more if you're if you know if you're a physics major, there's certain physics courses you need to take. But mm-hmm. in peace studies, I would say after intro to peace studies, it's it's really for you to build to serve what you need to do your your job in the future, and it's not prescripted for anyone, which is mm. I think a real benefit. Maybe it causes you more time in advising sessions to choose your courses, but I think it's a real benefit of the program. That's great. That's that's wonderful advice. A lot to think about. Anything else that you wanted to add or that you've been thinking about? I would say also with the, the Croc Institute, one really great benefit is that with my work with Farm of the Child and Catholic Relief Services is people really know the Croc Institute. When you show up with Catholic Relief Services and they say, you know, like, who are you? Like, you haven't lived here before. You're brand new. Or, okay, you have a master's degree. If a couple of times I've actually been able to say, well, I, I stayed at the Croc Institute. They're like, oh, you can come to the meeting. <laughs> so <laughs> it's actually, it's, it's quite nice to sometimes when you're new in a country and not know what's going on to be like, I know the Croc Institute, they're like, oh, you can have a seat at the table, like come That's along. Awesome. So I would say in the countries I've worked, actually my, my Croc Institute degree gave me skills and, and knowledge, but it also sometimes got me a seat at the table or a little more credit with a staff member. So wow. I would say that uh, for anyone here that if you think like, oh, my friends don't understand my, my program that other people do once you get back into the field. That's great. That's wonderful. It's very encouraging to all of us to know that it actually has some some great utility to you in the field. So it's very inspiring to hear about your work. It's really exciting. And I think people will really appreciate particularly hearing the, the details about the path that you've taken. And we're really looking forward to more exciting news of the things that you'll be doing in the future, because I know this is just the beginning of a very exciting, adventurous career and ways of of implementing peace studies in the world. So thanks for joining us and congratulations again on your award. Thank you so much for having me and for the invitation and and for everything from the Crock Institute. Great. You've been listening to the Crock Cast, peace studies conversations convened by the University of Notre Dame's Crock Institute for International Peace Studies. You can find all episodes of the Crock Cast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, and online at croc.nd.edu slash podcast. You can also rate and review our podcast, which will help more people find our show. For more updates and stories from the Croc Institute, follow us online on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for listening.